Welcome to our evening service. We're going to begin, please, with number 573. It's a prayer of our hearts. Make me a channel of blessing. We'll stand, please, to sing. good singing. Let's come to seek the Lord now, please, and pray for our evening service. Our loving Father, once more, we come to give thanks for the privilege we have of being here in the house of prayer and praise and worship with those of like precious faith. But Lord, we have the guarantee of the presence of our Savior with us tonight. And of course, Lord, That makes all 
the difference. We pray for the ministry of the Spirit to help us in our worship. Help us, Lord, as we pray, read the Scriptures, have it written upon our hearts. Bless every one gathered in person to lift their praise and thanksgiving and prayers unto the living God. Father, every person watching online tonight, may their own home be a sanctuary, a place where the Savior meets with them tonight, and the Word of God would be open to every heart. Father, is there someone watching tonight online without Christ? Is it not time, Lord, to speak to their hearts and bring them to the Savior? Someone in the service in person, Lord, look deep down in every heart. And I pray that you would work sovereignly and work, Lord, effectually to bring them to the Savior. Lord, this is the calling that we have from our Lord Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Lord, enable us to be about the Master's business in this degree. Help us to be useful in the service of Christ. And Lord, open up the doors that sometimes seem so firmly closed and sealed shut. And it's only the power of our God that can open those doors. And we pray that always, Lord, there would be that great door and effectual open to us, even though there are many adversaries. We know, Lord, the devil hates your work, hates your people, hates everything that we're engaged in. And we pray that we will be equipped and enabled to stand in our day. And having done all to stand, having on the armor of God by prayer, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. Dear Lord, equip us, we pray, that we will be soldiers of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Father, meet with every one of us here. Bless every family. Let there not be one member of our family outside of Christ. We pray, Lord, that whatever trials and difficulties that we are called to go through, and some maybe this very night, we know nothing about. But Lord, support them, strengthen them, pour out Your Spirit mightily upon them now so they will be able to carry on and keep going and not surrender, not be cast down. Dear Lord, enable us to be a very bright light in our dark time. Help us to be a witness. Help us, O God, to be salt. Help us, dear Lord, to be prayer warriors for our God, equipping us, enabling us. For the enemy may be strong, but what joy and hope we have that greater is He that is in us, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, 
our Heavenly Father, all taking their abode within our lives, our hearts. And so, Father, carry us forward, we pray, from strength to strength. Enable us where we are weak. Strengthen us, Lord, where we have to face opposition and trial we are not able to handle ourselves. We know, Lord, that we are in the vine and we draw the necessary food. We draw the spiritual strength from Christ, our great vine. And so let us be fruit-bearing Christians. And Lord, we ask for blessing upon not only our church here, but we are mindful for our sister congregations near us. Pray for the work in Barry, Brother Diderno. We pray for the work in Port Hope. Thankful Brother Cranston was able to preach the word this morning. This is an answer to prayer. Bless our Brother Fraser as he ministers there tonight. Be with Brother Frank Diderno in Fredericton. And Lord, bless his ministry there. Give him great power to proclaim the truth, and may the people there be greatly encouraged. We ask for the work in Calgary, Brother Backhurst, Penticton, Brother Foster. We think in Cloverdale, and Lord, the ministry going on there, and the call that has been extended to uh, Brother Fitton. Lord, do your work and lead uh, Brother Andrew in the center of your will. We pray for Andrew Simpson also in Prince George, the work in Williams Lake, all of these centers. And Lord, not just our own congregations, but we're asking, Father, for every faithful servant that is loyal to the Scripture, that is proclaiming the unsearchable riches of our Lord Jesus, standing firm upon the truth. Bless them abundantly, Lord and prosper their ministry and work, and unite us around the Word of the living God and around our Savior. So, Father, be with those families grieving tonight. We hold up our brother Richard Watson, the rest of his family, in the loss of their dear mom. Lord, give them help and peace during this time. Strengthen them. Remember the family of our Sister Beulah, the loss of her mom, and also the family of dear Ina Greaves in Jamaica. Bless them, Lord, and the whole congregation there undertake for them. And so, Father, we just give all of these things into your hand. Thankful for your hand upon young Caleb Schultz. Continue, Lord, to speed the healing process in this young man's life and raise him up Strengthen him. Bless all of the work that's going on there in the Czech Republic. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. And bless us now as we commit ourselves into your hand. For we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 542, well-known hymn for us, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. And we'll stand, please, again to sing.
Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We are reading today from the second letter to the Thessalonians, but tonight we're looking at the first one and reading at chapter 4. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God, 
hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we, we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet, to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Thessalonians had a great testimony before the apostle. And the testimony was that the love they had one for another was evident. And the testimony had gone far and wide. It had spread throughout all Macedonia. And Paul said, I don't even have to preach to you about loving one another, for you've been taught of God about that matter. And it is a blessed truth that among God's people who fear the Lord, who love Him, well, they know that the love for one another is something that the Spirit has wrought within our hearts. And yet, of course, there was always room for improvement. None of us ever get to the point, we should never be there anyways, where we think that the Christian graces that have been given to us and the instruction that we have from the Lord, well, we're right full up to the top. There's no need for any more here. No, we don't ever want to say that. In fact, the apostle exhorted these dear folks, I know that you have this grace, he said, but seek it more and more. Don't be satisfied with where you think you are in your Christian walk. Let's be praying that the Lord will add to us all so that we will increase and grow and we will know what it is to walk in close fellowship with our Lord and with our Savior. 
And of course, this is a very precious portion of God's Word because it is dealing with the return of Christ to the world. And as our Savior promised His disciples that He would come back, so the Apostle emphasized that and encouraged these dear people, don't fret. Don't think and worry about those that have died in Jesus. They have gone to sleep, as the term is, because Christ is coming back. And those that have died in Christ, they will rise again to meet the Lord in the air when He comes, or else we will die on this earth and go to meet the Lord. And either way, the ones that have already died will be coming back with Christ, and those that are alive when He comes will be brought up to meet Him for the, in the air. And then these tremendous words, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. When Christ comes back to this world, it will be the end of human history as we know it and the setting up of His everlasting kingdom. And friend, I wonder tonight, are you sure that you are ready for the Lord when He comes? Are you sure you are born again of His Spirit? The only way that you can be sure you will see Christ is to receive Him by faith now and join His family and be a part of Him. May the Lord bless His Word uh, to your hearts tonight as we have read. You're all very welcome here in the service tonight. We're especially happy to see Teresa and Adrian and little Augustus with us in the service tonight. Uh, we've been praying much for your family and thankful that you're here and we trust the Lord would bless you and the bless the little one as well. We're so thankful for God's safety and blessing. And others, of course, you may be here and you're visiting or returned again. You're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. And we pray God's blessing on you as well as all of our faithful listeners on Sermon Audio who have joined in tonight and maybe some visitor that has joined with us this evening mentioned this morning about young Caleb Schultz who had to have surgery to repair a collapsed lung, and uh, he is making some good recovery at this time, but do continue to remember him and the rest of the Schultz family. Don't forget to be praying for Richard Watson and also his brothers and sister in the loss of their dear mother. The funeral was yesterday, and uh, we pray that the word that was spoken in the open graveside, that God would use it to save family members and to bring the healing that is necessary in those circumstances. Brother Cranston was able to preach the word tonight, this morning, in his own service, and we're thankful for that and praying that God would continue to strengthen him. And remember our brother Fraser, who's preaching there tonight. I almost forgot about B to welcome you in the service tonight. We're thankful that you're here as well. Uh, it's good to have fellowship with our dear sister again in the Lord. Also, please uh, continue to remember Reverend John Bodner as he is in the hospital and needing the Lord's touch upon him. And uh, if you would like to be a part of the Pregnancy Care Center to volunteer there, uh, speak to one of the elders. Normally, his brother James Fraser, but he's not here tonight. And if you'd like to be a part of that, speak to them 
to one of the elders and uh, we will hold a meeting and get some things organized and it's a very important ministry locally here in our community. There will be a youth choir, young adult choir practice after the evening service tonight. And then remember, Wednesday evening is our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. And then don't forget the gym fellowship on Friday night in our school from 6 to 9. And the next Lord's Day are regular services. In the advance announcements in the coming month of August, Lord willing, we're planning a young adult Bible conference and the title of that is Spectator or Servant? Are you on the sideline or on the starting line? And uh, do be in prayer now. It was good to hear prayer being offered for this ministry in our pre-service prayer time tonight. And let's not be uh, uh, late in praying for that, that God would go in front of all the details and bless Brother Andrew Simpson as we're planning on him coming to be the speaker for those special services. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 576. And as you think about your tithes and your offerings in the worship of God, as you have given, I know the income tax receipts were all being handed out this morning, and uh, that only acknowledges your faithfulness in giving to the Lord's work in 2022. But as you continue on in serving God in that capacity, your tithes and offerings that are given here through this ministry, we endeavor to use them faithfully and to be very vigilant in how the Lord's money is being expended, whether it's missionary work, whether it's maintaining our properties here and going forward in the outreach ministries that we are engaged in. Well, all of these things, we need the prayer for the wisdom of the Lord in that and as you faithfully give, we want to be wise stewards in the work and the tithes and offerings that you give. Let's stand please to sing number 576.
I'd like you to turn with me, please, tonight to the book of Romans, chapter 15. The book of Romans, chapter 15, reading the first seven verses. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we now have a few moments left in this evening service. Another precious opportunity that You have given to us, Lord, to be under Your Word, to hear, to read, to pray. And Lord, it is a great grace and mercy that we have been given the written revelation, the holy, infallible, inspired, and inerrant Word of our God. Lord, You've communicated to us. You've given us what we need. And I pray that we will have understanding hearts and that the Holy Spirit will apply the Word to each of us tonight. And Lord, take away distracting things. Take away those things that would hinder our learning and would hinder our advancing and development in sanctification and growth. So, Lord, help me, I pray, tonight to speak as Your servant, as a messenger in the Word of truth. For we ask these things tonight 
In Jesus' holy name, amen. I want to share with you tonight the words from verse 7 of Romans 15. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Sometimes the phrase that we have here, the glory of God, I think it's, it's lost on us, maybe due to the number of times that we have heard it spoken, or maybe because it has been recited in the answer to the first catechism question, what is man's chief end? But I say to you that if we miss the underlying theme of the glory of God, then we will go astray on many points in our Christian understanding. The unity of the body of Christ that was a key petition of our Lord in John 17 was that believers would be united in heart, soul, and purpose. And this unity is again pressed upon us in Romans chapter 15 through the exhortation to be of one mind and one mouth in glorifying our Father and that by receiving one another as Christ has received us in salvation and being brought into His family, well, it will be ultimately to the glory of God. That's what it's all about. Some of you might be wondering, why is the pastor speaking so much these last days about unity in the congregation? Is there a problem? No, I can thankfully say there is not a problem and we don't want there to be a problem. And that's why the Lord has been directing us. I have not been planning out uh, these messages in that sense of saying, well, I want to speak on this a number of weeks. No, it has been, I believe, the leading of the Lord. And certainly in our focus of this morning, in the morning study of the life of Christ in John 17, well, you cannot escape the emphasis that is given there. And so as the Lord goes in front of us and gives us His Word, well, we want to take it from Him and pray its truth into our hearts and ask that we would be submissive to His will. Now, I don't have to say to you much about the fact that we are living in a very selfish world. It's increasingly that way. But the reason why it is increasing is not because men are more selfish today than they were yesterday, last year, the last millennium. It's just because we have more people in the world today. So the more sinners you put into a place, it's ultimately going to increase the sin. And so when we look at these matters and we as believers are confronted with the truth that the way of the Lord 
through His Word, is different from the world. And if you see selfishness in the world, and you see those elements of that in your own heart, we realize this is not of the Lord. And we are called to love our enemies. We are called to do good to them that despitefully use us and persecute us. That was the message Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. How difficult is that? Especially when the Old Testament thought was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus said, I'm going to fulfill that law, showing you a better way, and that we are to love those who despitefully use us. That is not an easy pill to swallow. That medicine is hard. And yet it is the medicine of grace. And it is the fruit that we will see of Christ's likeness in our own lives. And so, friends, if our attitude toward the ungodly, the enemies, is that we are to love them, how much more would that be applied in the Christian context uh, to those who are in the body of Christ. We have heard the words of our Lord. He has said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when we hear those words, it's frequently applied to, well, the giving of our tithes and of our time and our talents to the work of of the Lord. And there is indeed a truth, a great truth in that. There is a sense of blessing that comes to us from giving out of that which God has already given to us. He has given us our life. We give our life out to others. He has given us our tithes, the resources that we have. Therefore, we give back to the Lord again. And He has given us the talents that we have, and we are called to use those And when that is done, there is a blessing. But in Romans 15, there is a slight change that I want to apply to all of our hearts tonight in Christ's likeness that involves somewhat the opposite. Because look what it says again in verse 7. The exhortation is, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So here, receiving is the blessing that is being spoken about. And I I trust and pray that the Lord will write this truth upon our hearts, reinforcing another element and another aspect of the unity that we have so that we will fulfill the law of Christ. And we will see Him glorified in our lives. So the first thought is this. The fellowship of Christians is important to God. The fellowship of His people is very important to Him. At the very heart of receiving our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is the very heart of fellowship. And that is a good word. It's a New Testament word. 
And it's a word that appears many times in the Bible. And sometimes you might get a little bit tired of hearing we talk about fellowship times, fellowship seasons, and it, it can be used uh, too often, I understand. But when we apply it here as it is applied to us in this particular way, well, we use it with all our heart and we use it very specifically. Yes, the heart of the Lord, the fellowship of His people, it is very important to our God. We have received and been received by our Lord Jesus Christ into the family of the Lord. And we have become the brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is called our elder brother. He was made of no reputation, and He made Himself equal to us as human beings in a physical sense. He became bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh in order that He might become our Savior. And He thought it reasonable to become our brother and that you would be related to Him. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, we have this word, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So the Apostle John, he is speaking about his own personal eyewitness of the Lord, things that they had received from Christ. Now he's relaying them back to others. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And my, the truth that undergirds our relationship in the family of God and the fellowship that we have with our Father and with the Son is because of what the Lord Jesus has accomplished for us, what He has done on our account. And that, dear brother and sister, is that which binds us together in Jesus. It's what brings us close to each other. We know that phrase that is often connected to marriage, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Well, it could also be applied here to the unity that is to exist among His people. If God has joined us in the bond of peace, joined us through the blood of Christ, He has given us the bloodline, a blood relationship. If you are saved by His grace tonight, and because we have this, we are brought into His body, into His family. And that unity and that union joins us in a blessed fellowship that we have one with another. And dear friends, this fellowship is very, very important to God. 
And therefore, it needs to be very, very important to us. We need therefore to guard this fellowship. We need to guard this unity. We need to be very careful that we are not allowing anything to be done that's going to fracture or break that unity that the Lord has given to us and that He sees as so very, very important. We sang this morning a song by Isaac Watts, and it's been going over in my head this past week, and as we pl I plan to have it sung this morning, Lord, how delightful it is to see a whole assembly worship Thee at once to sing, at once to pray. They hear of heaven and they learn to pray. That's a precious verse from that particular hymn. And friends, let us count it very, very important as God does. Notice in the second place tonight, the way that we treat others is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. The way that we treat other people. Now we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And you know the story, the parable that Jesus told when someone asked Him, one of the Jewish leaders, who then is my neighbor? And the Lord began to tell them the story about the man who had fallen among thieves and those who passed by one after another, the religious, the priest, and they ignored the man in need until the Samaritan came along. And the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealings with each other. There was bitterness and warfare and certainly no unity between them. But it was a Samaritan that came along to help this Jewish man who had fallen among thieves. And he took him up, anointed him, poured oil into his wounds, took him to the inn, saw that he was taken care of, gave money to support him, and all of those things. And of course, the answer was obvious when Jesus turned the attention to those who had asked, who is my neighbor? Of all those, who was the one? It was the one that loved him, that took care of him, that gave evidence of it. It wasn't just by speech. It wasn't just in theory. It was something that could be seen practically. And that, my dear friends, is a very good illustration because the way we treat others and the way we are expressing our love to others, it will be seen. And while the word neighbor, it applies to those who live near to us, it applies to those whom we meet in the course of the day, does it not have special application to those who are very close to us in our church fellowship, in our denomination, in those that we have interaction with? Yes, if it's not going to be applied in the first place in the home vicinity, well then, how could we really expect it to be applied outside of that? 
What is the cause of many of the disputes that take place between residential neighbors? You may have heard of some of these petty issues or know them of yourself. Some neighbor complains, you planted that tree three inches over the property line. And therefore, they want the tree rooted up. Take it up, plant it on your side. Or someone else complains, your dandelions are infecting my yard. Yes, I think I might be the guilty culprit of that for my next door neighbor because I look out in my backyard in the springtime and it's a sea of yellow. It, they, look pretty, they look pretty, but they're not very desirable as they spread themselves to the neighbors around. Anyways, many, many more of these types of things. But how do we approach them? How do you approach those circumstances that come about and there could be many, many more? Well, a true spirit of loving of the neighbor, you would approach them with love and with respect, those circumstances, and you would want to have them settled amicably. And sometimes you have to suffer the wrong or suffer the loss. And it may be if you know that there's going to be a problem or if it's a touchy point, well, first of all, you wouldn't go and do it to begin with. You would do it a different way. Or if you know that the dandelions are a problem, you want to try to cut them low and keep them because you can't even use uh, pesticide or herbicides anymore. It's against the law. So you have to do the best you can to keep them at bay. But we're talking about some little things, aren't we? But oftentimes those little problems, they're the ones that seem to grow exponentially into bigger problems and tensions can arise. And so often it's, it is that among neighbors, people that are living nearby, you know of warfare that's going on. And there are problems that have been going on for years and almost last generations. The old Hatfields and the McCoys seem to be alive and well in too many neighborhoods. But that's not the way it should be with those who are believers. We're not to be stubborn and dig in to have our way and to put forward our cause and to be sure that we're going to get our pound of flesh out of it all. That's not what the Lord would have us do. In fact, He would say the exact opposite. He would say when people despise us and despitefully use us, we are to love them. Is that easy? No, we know it's not easy. That's hard. That's extremely hard. But yet God has poured out His grace into us, so we have a great advantage over the ungodly. And it's by that advantage and it's by that grace that is in us that will be one of the greatest witnesses and testimonies that we have. It should not be that ungodly neighbors are at warfare with believing people because we fail to give way where it can possibly be done. Yes, I know, and people think they have the right cause. And the book of Proverbs 21 verse 2 tells us, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Your cause is right. You're going to take it to court. You're going to settle this matter because we think we have it the right way. Now, ah, but friend, the rest of that verse says this, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. And so God searches out the cause 
from the very heart, from the inside out. Not the peripheral things, but He looks deep down inside and He'll judge who is the right and who is the wrong. We've been studying in our prayer meetings before the Christmas break came. We haven't got back to it yet, but we will, by God's grace, studying the prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. And you may remember back, if you were in the prayer meeting, that one of those things that Solomon prayed for was that when there was a cause of disagreement among people, that God would come to give wisdom and to be able to discern between the right and the wrong. Because we know that there are some causes that uh, there's not just a difference of opinion. There is definitely a right and a wrong. And the Lord said, we need, Solomon's praying, we need from the Lord discernment. We need wisdom to know when it is right to take our stand on truth and when it is right to give way and suffer loss if necessary. What is it that often separates God's people into unbiblical divisions? Personality? Quirks? You know, when it all boils down, we are all very quirky people. We all have our own ways. Eunice is smiling. Maybe she knows a few extras on her own. I don't know. But we all have our own ways. And if we were to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves, we have to be very careful as we are sometimes too quick to judge how other people look a bit strange or their personality quirks are different than ours. We may have annoying habits. And when you're going to gather a bunch of people together in one fellowship as we are, we have to understand and realize and be patient with the differences that there are in our personalities, the differences that there are in some of our habits. And it's not that anyone is doing those things intentionally to annoy you, because of course if they are doing that, then the problem is more deeply rooted in their heart and they've got a problem. But when we're just dealing with these human matters, these individual choices, these personality things. We need to take a big step back and take a deep breath and pray for grace from the Lord to be able to know how to handle those things. And also praying while we do that our brothers and sisters will also have the grace that is needed for them to receive our strange and peculiar ways. We often laugh about the Lord having a peculiar people, a different people, but sometimes we are a little bit weird in our own ways. Yes, when these issues come to the surface and there is an unwillingness to find a solution, it shows in us a distinct lack of humility. And is that not what we need to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Dear brothers and sisters, this is what I need. This is what we need together. Because if the mind and the Spirit and the heart of Christ is at work in us, then those times we would do 
the right things. And we would make those accommodations with our brothers and sisters. And the needs of others would be put before the needs of ourselves. You know the little Sunday school chorus. Joy. If you want real joy, you have Jesus first, you have others next, and yourselves last. And that is good theology. And that is good practical teaching. But too often, we get too touchy and the offense is taken and we do not want to back down. In such a case, do you know what's happening? We are losing sight of something, of someone. We are losing sight of our Lord Jesus. We're losing sight of the greater picture of what we are here to do. Oh, and what is that again? We are here to glorify God. We are here to see the extension of His kingdom. We are here to do His will. We are here for the sake of the gospel. We are not here to please ourselves. We are here by God's grace and His mercy and that He might make use of us. Yes, so the fellowship of Christians is very important to the Lord. And the way that we treat others is a reflection of our spiritual maturity. In the third place, we are to measure our life to Christ. So how did the Lord Jesus receive us? Because this is the exhortation, this is the heart of what we're thinking about here from verse 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us. So, how did He receive us? How did He receive you? He received us, friends, in our iniquities. He received us in our feebleness in our diseased state, in our foolishness and sinfulness. That's how the Lord received us in our iniquities. And so when we consider that and we want to make that application to the local fellowship, how should we receive each other? Knowing this, that we are all sinners saved by grace. But we have all been brought from the same pool of immorality. The same deep, dark pit of sin. We're all brought from the same place. And there's no one that's any better than someone else. And therefore, as we approach each other, as the way the Lord Jesus received us, He received us not only in our iniquities, but He received us in our weaknesses. He received us in our inability. Isn't it true that 
Sometimes we judge other people by our perception of why they should be stronger than they are. Why they should be able to do stuff that you think you can do and why somebody else can't do it. And so we have this paradigm that we go through in our own mind of why others should be better than they are. And we fail to look into the mirror and see what? See our own weakness. See our own inability. See our own uselessness and hopelessness before a holy God who has saved us. When we get that perspective clear, and when we see that right, it's going to help us to look upon someone else's weakness and realize that this is how the Lord has received me. And this is how we should receive each other. But our Lord Jesus received us in not pleasing Himself. Turn back to verse 3, your eyes for a moment. For in the whole context here, we are told, for even Christ pleased not Himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. This is a quote taken from Psalm 69. And it helps us to see that Psalm 69 is therefore a messianic prophecy, as many of the Psalms are. For even Christ pleased not Himself. The reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Our Savior was the sin-bearer, the reproach-bearer. He is the one who took our iniquities upon Himself. And in so doing all that, He did not please Himself. So we come back for a moment to what I said to begin with, how that we're in a very selfish world because we're all selfish people at the very heart and root. And those vestiges of our sinful nature that too often seem to rise to the surface, yes, we pray that they will be cast down and cut off, and we'll put them away. We don't want to see them. They're ugly. But is it not those very vestiges that sometimes are at the root cause of divisions among us? Paul said to the Corinthians, Uh, It's been commonly reported that there are divisions among you. And I partly believe it, he said. That's a tongue-in-cheek statement. Paul said, I partly... He fully believed it, all right. He knew it was true. And then he's coming to write about it now, and he's going to expose those problems and what they were. But our Lord Jesus, He took us... The way He found us as a sinful people to Himself. And He picked us up and He washed us clean in His own precious blood. He gave us a new nature, a new heart. And He put us on our way to glorify Him. The Lord took us in our infirmities and our weaknesses and not pleasing Himself. And quite frankly, He took us in our 
our, our total rebellion against Him and our hurtful behavior. Friend, don't ever think for a moment from your vantage point today of being saved that before you came to Christ that there was some willingness on your part to embrace Him. No, it was not like that. For all of us born in sin and shaped in iniquity, all of us are rebels against the living God. We don't want, we never did want Him, but the Lord subdued our angry and rebellious heart. And He did that by sovereign grace and His love. And so, as He has received us in that state and by His grace changed us and is still changing us and conforming us to His image, yet let us also, as Christ has received us, so let us be willing to receive each other. For by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, Jesus said. That testimony reverberates far, just like the Thessalonians had it. Their love for each other was spoken of far and wide. But there was the admonition to grow yet more and more. Because in the fourth place, the Scripture, it will aid us in striving for Christian unity. Verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Uh, This verse holds a special place in Whitfield Christian schools. It's our motto text, written for our learning. When we think of the Word of God and the revelation given to us in the Bible, that all of these examples and parables and the accounts given of the lives of God's servants, they have been included by the Holy Spirit for our learning. And these things written for our learning so that we, through the patience and comfort of the Word of God, my Do you draw your comfort and do you draw the patience from the reading of Scripture? My dear brothers and sisters, we must read the Bible for ourselves if we're going to see the application of this to our own hearts. Now, we encourage you with your Bible reading calendar to be at that every day, seeking the Lord, whether you use that calendar or another one, whatever it is for your own personal development You must read the Scriptures. You must feed your soul on God's Word. But there's not just the reading of the Scripture. There must be the studying for your own personal edification. Don't just allow yourself to come Sunday by Sunday and depend on your feeding for what the preacher says or the Bible classes, the prayer meetings. Yes, all of those things are important. But Christian, your development will be as you read the Scripture and study it for yourself. Then, there must be the application of that truth personally. And when you're reading through the Bible, it is very good to pray, Lord, I pray that You would write this truth upon my heart 
and apply the principles and the teaching and the doctrine to my own life. Where I'm going today, Lord, write Your Word upon my heart. But if you're not reading and studying, how do you think that's going to happen, the application of the Word? Yes, you can see how those things all go together. And it's like three strings that you're going to weave together or braid together. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And so let us weave this together in our own Christian walk to weave the reading and the studying and the application of the Word. And when we do that, you'll have a very strong Christian testimony. And the last one, I leave this with you and close with this, that the unity of heart will glorify our Lord. Well, that's the whole gist of what we're talking about. Because as we receive others, as Jesus has received us, what will it be for? It is all for the glory of God the Father. Unity of heart will glorify God. And that looks like this. It looks like desiring the honor of the Lord Jesus It looks like working for the extension of His kingdom. It looks like being grounded in the doctrine of Scripture. And if we have unity in these areas together, if all of us are seeking for the honor of the Lord and seeking for the extension of His kingdom and seeking to be grounded in the doctrine of the Word of God, taking our stand upon the truth, then then we will have the precious commodity, if we could say it that way, of this very thing that Jesus is speaking about here, and that you and I will receive one another in the bond of Christian love and peace. And we will go forward being a bright light and a testimony to others around us, to other Believers and churches, yes, we want that, and we delight in that. To an unbelieving world, yes, we want that too. And we pray that God will use us in this place, in this house, ultimately for His praise and for His honor and His glory. We're going to close our service by singing this hymn, number 560. It's our prayer. Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. 560, please let's stand as we sing.
make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and thy will be ever only all for thee. Let's prayerfully sing the final verse here. please in prayer. Just as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, it may be that someone here does not know the Lord tonight. And I pray that you would seek the Lord where you are and call upon Him. You can pray just now, repenting of your sin, and you will find that Jesus is a willing Savior to hear your prayer save your soul. Father, as we bring our service to a close tonight, the end of another Lord's Day, I pray that the Spirit would work in any hearts unsaved. And dear Lord, work in all of our lives, applying the truth of Scripture, helping us to walk in humility Lord, we would ask that the mind of Christ would be in us. And so carry us forward in this incoming week. Fill us daily with the power of the Spirit of God. Open up opportunities for us to share our faith. And dear Lord, part us in your fear with your rich blessing. For we come to the one who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. And so, dear Lord, hear that prayer tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.